0: Amen. Certainly a blessing to be with you here this morning. I appreciate what we've heard, spoken to us. I believe the Lord has blessed it. And we'll we'll go a little bit over 12, but not too far. So I want to give the young guys a little bit of hope, Uh, especially at least one in the crowd who I know hears my voice a lot. She knows who she is. (laughs) But uh, all jokes aside, though, it's been a great blessing to be with you this weekend. I was only planning originally to come for... Friday night and Saturday and of course Friday kind of got scrapped for us and then I said as much as I love these dear people and as much as they've done for me whether they know it or not uh, we're going to stay over and worship with them on Sunday morning and I'm certainly glad that we did. Had a great day yesterday of preaching and singing, preaching and praying and then fellowship in the afternoon. What a blessing. Yesterday I spoke to you about commitment focusing primarily on the the commitment that the Lord Jesus Christ had to His Heavenly Father. And today, if you'll turn to Proverbs 16 and 3, for a few minutes here, we're going to look at this verse and talk about the Bible commitment challenge. See if you want to take the Bible commitment challenge. This is what we find in Proverbs 16 and 3. There's several commitment challenges in the Word of God. I'll mention a few others, but the one we're going to focus on is Proverbs 16 and 3, which is one of my favorite verses, favorite practical verses, because it has helped me through many, many dark times. Because it's so simple, Brother Danny. <laughs> he says in Proverbs 16 and 3, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. This is what I call the Bible commitment challenge. There are other Bible commitment challenges. What are the desires of your heart? Psalm 37 and 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Another Bible commitment challenge is when you want something to happen in your life, when you're wanting a particular thing. Psalm 37 and 5 says, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Another very famous, well-known commitment challenge is Proverbs 3 and 5 if you're wondering about what path to take or what choice to make, what direction to go, here's a Bible commitment challenge. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he might direct thy path. It doesn't say that, does it? It says he shall direct thy path. You see, all of these are shalls, okay? And the one we're looking at this morning is commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts might be established shall be established. Now I hope you notice that this verse it presupposes here that the person is not necessarily committing their works to the Lord. A symptom of that is their thoughts are not established. <laughs> so I want you to think about anything that you are hoping for. A spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a raise, a better job, maybe you're just hoping for peace in your family, or peace in general in terms of the life that you're living. Maybe you're hoping for reconciliation in some situation. could be husbands and wives. could be anything. Think about what you are hoping for. And even think about anything that you're, in your mind, you know, you're wishing or you're wanting. I'm submitting to you here that the the Bible commitment challenge, you've only got one choice. To commit your works to the Lord... And your thoughts shall be established. Again, the, the idea given here is our thoughts are not established. I'm confused. I don't really know exactly what to do, and it's because that's just a symptom of the, of the fact that I'm not committing my works to the Lord. I'm not committed in the way that I should be. So think about what is on your mind. What is it? Your wish, your want. How oh, I wish this would happen. Oh, I wish you know this could come to ta- come to pass. I wish this would work out. Whatever that is, fill in your blank. I've got my own. I've had my own in the past even. Some of those have come to pass. You know how they came to pass? Because I committed my works to the Lord. My thoughts were established. And things happened. Now I know some of you are sitting there thinking, well, but what if what I want, or what if so-and-so wants is not according to the will of God? This is a way to figure that out too. It's foolproof. It's guaranteed to help you figure it out. Now, I won, in a sermon several years ago, I was preaching on Proverbs 16 and 3, but along the line of the psychological aspect of Proverbs 16 and 3. When, when your thoughts are messed up, psychologically, you just can't figure things out. Now, we're living in a day and time when that is just the way things are for many people. I mean, it's the way things are for God's people, and even if they're being disciples. Often, we just don't really know, how. what do we do about this? But when you think about the gender confusion, you think about young people trying to identify themselves, who they are, even sometimes they're trying to identify if they're male or female. I mean, some of those basic things. You say, that's ridiculous. Well, I feel that same way too. It does seem ridiculous, but it's where we are. (laughs) You can't deny that it's where we are. For whatever reason, we're there, and the Word of God has the answer for all of that. It has the answer. But I was speaking about this particular verse and, and how it works psychologically. And I believe that there is good Christian psychology, psychiatry out there. I believe that. I don't have any. I've had some of my friends that have been saved, their lives have been spared by that. Now, there's some bad out there, too. (laughs) There's some natural type direction of, of psychiatry that is not good. You can see the results of it are ungodly and not good. But there's some good, too. But I was preaching about this, and this person who had some serious, serious psychological issues took offense at it and took it the wrong way and and of course I talked to that person afterwards and we we settled it we worked it out but as I was preaching throughout the entire sermon this person was writing uh, notes about how much they disliked the message and how much they disliked what I was saying and they showed me their notes whenever the sermon was over and I couldn't read them (laughs) And I was like, what did you write? I mean, is it a different language? And she walked me over to the mirror and she held it up and you could read it in the mirror. And I thought, oh boy, I'm in trouble. <laughs> she wrote them backwards and the only way that you could read them was in the mirror. We got some psychological issues going on here. So I want you to understand that I'm not throwing off on all psychology or psychiatry. But I am telling you that the word of God is the best psychiatrist that you could ever find. And modern psychology and psychiatry in many respects and many aspects says get your mind worked out before you go back to work or back to do things you know shut down fix your mind and there may be some situations where a total rest and so forth needs to take place but God is the great psychiatrist and he says here that if your mind is messed up if you've got things going on your mind that are that are troubling to you The best therapy that you can have to settle your thoughts and mind down, it says, is to commit your works to the Lord. Go to work. Serving the Lord. It may mean go back to your job. It may mean go back to uh, doing what you were doing. But at the least, it means to serve the Lord and commit what you're doing to serve the Lord, and your mind will settle down. I have lived this again and again and again in my own mind when I would have turmoil and confusion and not know what to do and and depression and just wondering, uh, is is there any hope? Is there any light? And Proverbs 16, 3 would come to mind, and I'd say to myself, get up, get out, and go serve God. And I would do that. It might be going to visit a widow. It might be taking food to someone. It might be getting in the Word of God and finding that nugget in the Word of God that the Lord has for me and that if I'll just go look for it, I'll find it. That's what God's Word will do for you. So the mechanics of taking the Bible challenge, the mechanics of this commitment is found. One of them is found here in Proverbs 16 and 3. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Now, if you remember, there was a particular word that we focused on yesterday when it came to Christ's commitment to the Father. In the Old Testament, the literal word picture was a stone being rolled. Like rolling a stone or something rolling. So the Hebrews, they would say it, roll your burdens to the Lord. And we would say it, commit your burdens to the Lord. And that's the same word right here where it says commit. It is roll thy works upon the Lord. And I like what Matthew Henry said about this. He said, roll thy works upon the Lord. We may then be easy when we resolve whatever pleases God shall please us. It'll make you easy when you roll your burdens, when you roll your plans to the Lord. As I said, you remember Psalm 22 and 8 where he said, they scoffed and said, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. It means they're literally saying, let him roll over to Yahweh, over to the Lord. And when you put the synonym there together, delight, it means to roll over with excitement. (laughs) Like a dog wagging his tail, as I mentioned yesterday. And you know, Jesus actually did that. He actually did that. He said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. I roll over this burden to you for safekeeping. And I ask you the question, did God handle it? (laughs) From the moment that Jesus gave up the ghost, he was in that large room of heaven. He was there present with the Father. And three days and three nights later, he reentered his body and he was resurrected to never die again. Did the Lord handle that burden? Let me tell you, if the Lord handled that burden, if the Lord handled that plan, if the Lord handled that purpose, I promise you, you don't have anything that he can't handle. So commit your works to the Lord. Take the challenge of commitment. Just try him. You know, there's a, there's a giving commitment in the book of Malachi. The Lord said, just try me. You know, bring the tithes into the storehouse. I'll show you that I'll pour out incredible blessings upon you. There's all kinds of challenges like this in the Word of God. And here's the commitment challenge. You say, well, I want this. I wish for that. I I want this to come to pass. Then commit your works to the Lord and get busy working and serving God and doing godly things. Remember, you can't rob a bank and honor the Lord. You can't commit that work to the Lord. You can't commit sin to the Lord. You can't commit fornication to the Lord. You can't commit adultery to the Lord. You can't commit certain things to the Lord. But you can commit things that please God to the Lord. You know what some of those things are. Go to church. That's a no-brainer right there. That's a no-brainer. He said, "Well, I want to commit my I want to take the Bible commitment challenge, but I don't think I'm going to be able to make it but one time a month, brother Tim." Then you're not going to make it. <laughs> you're not going to pass the Bible challenge. You're not going to you're not taking the challenge. You're not signing up to take the Bible challenge. This is what you should say, "Well, I know I've missed 3 out of 4 Sundays over the last, you know, 25 years." But for the next six months, I'm not going to miss a Sunday. I don't care if I've got COVID. I'm going to lay outside the window and put my ear against the glass and listen as good as I can. I don't care if my leg falls off. I don't care if I have to have my face amputated. You know, I'm going to be there. Take the Bible challenge. You say, the Lord says, the it's like the Lord is saying, just try me and see what I will work out for you Just give me the chance. It's not like the Lord can't do it anyway, but He's looking to you to see if you'll be faithful in this. Well, you'll be committed. That's a no-brainer. He said, well, I hadn't prayed in 362 days. Well, today is the day to start praying. That's a no-brainer for the Bible challenge commitment. These are no-brainers. There may be additional things that you need to stop, like fornication or adultery or, you know, theft or, we you know, what. there may be some very big things that need to be stopped and then commit those things to the Lord. You know, the Word of God speaks to that, Ephesians, the fourth chapter. He says, he that stole, let him steal no more, but rather get a job and give. That's a novel thing, isn't it? Instead of stealing and taking from people, get a job, earn money, and give part of it away. <laughs> See, God's the ultimate replacement therapy. He's got the ultimate replacement therapy. So you can't commit stealing to the Lord, but you can commit getting a job and working and helping those that are in need to the Lord. Does that make sense? So John Wesley said, and I know he's not a primitive Baptist, but he has some good quotes. There's a lot of good quotes out there, and they're not all primitive Baptist quotes. John Wesley said, if I had 300 men who feared nothing but God, hated nothing but sin, and were determined to know nothing among men except Jesus Christ and Him crucified, I would set the world on fire. Do you believe that? I believe that men that cared nothing but fearing God, hating sin, and determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ, the world would be set on fire. So that means that you and your individual Bible commitment challenge hold the key to that type of change. You say, Brother Tim, little old me, I'm in seventh grade. I'm glad y'all didn't know me in seventh grade. (laughs) I've said many times, Sister Tracy and I, we met when we were both 25. I said, I'm so glad you didn't know me when I was 15 because you wouldn't have given me a second look. I'm so glad you didn't know me when I was 24 and you wouldn't have given me a second look. (laughs) I'm so glad y'all didn't know me when I was in 7th grade. And I'm so glad the people that did know me in 7th grade will still still speak to me. I'm so glad you didn't know me in 10th grade. In 10th grade, I beat a senior to become the chaplain of our student body. And I got in more trouble my 10th grade year as a chaplain than I ever had in any years of of high school. (laughs) I was a great representative of Chaplin, you know? <laughs> I don't care how old you are. I don't care what, how bad you're being bullied or how bad things people are saying about you. I don't care. You hold the key as a born-again child of God to accept that commitment challenge and let the Lord deal with the results of it, see? It doesn't matter who you are or what age you are. You might say, well, we need some church growth. The key does not lie with Brother Ronald Lawrence. The key lies with you. Okay. Now, we want Brother Ronald to keep preaching, and we want to keep listening to what he's preaching. But the key to that lies with satisfied church members who go about telling how much fun and joy they're having worshiping God. The church that I pastor went from eight. I said eight and a half because Madison was just a little baby at that time. (laughs) But we went from eight to well over a hundred today. And it's not because I'm so eloquent. I'm not. And it's not because I'm so good looking because I'm not. Well, it's just Tracy thinks I am. But anyway, that's enough. But, but it's not because of some great gift that I have. It's because people heard the truth of grace and they love the truth of grace. And they went out and they spread it. It's not because of me. It's because God blessed the efforts of those who were committed. So what is the commitment issue? Going to church is a no-brainer. Praying is a no-brainer. Speaking about the Lord is a no-brainer. You say, well, Brother Tim, they probably won't listen to me. You're right, they probably won't. (laughs) But speak it anyway, and maybe they'll listen to God. You see, the burden doesn't lie on you. (laughs) The burden lies on you to be committed and let the Lord take care of the rest of that. (laughs) You see, sometimes this type of commitment can hurt Look at Joshua 5 and 9. And I'll just give you the real brief summary of what's going on in Joshua 5 and 9. And this is the same word for commitment. In Joshua 5 and 9, they have come to the promised land after 40 years. Now, unfortunately, during the time that they were out in the wilderness wandering, they were not observing some of the commands of God. One of those most notable commands was the command of obedience that, and, and the signification. It, it would be like the baptism of the Old Testament, if you will. God had commanded them for circumcision in the days of Abraham. And they hadn't done that for 40 years in the wilderness. And they're on the edge of the promised land. And here the Lord commands them, get back to worshiping me like you're supposed to. Worship me like you're supposed to. And so there, in this particular location, they began to observe that command from the Old Testament. Now, if you know anything about that command, you know it required surgery. That's a pretty painful thing. But it was a signification that these people, this nation at that time, this nation is set apart to me they had not done that for 40 years, and they just wandered around. You know, they weren't on one long, continuous journey that never circled back. They were just wandering around and around and around and around all those years for 40 years. It was a short distance. If you think about that many people traveling, it would have been a short distance to go from Egypt. It would have taken a, a few months, but it would, have, it would have been a short distance to go from Egypt over there to the Promised Land. And they wandered around for 40 years. And one of the problems there was they were not observing. It would be like us saying, here's 20 people that came to be baptized. Well, we'll baptize them in about 40 years. That doesn't make any sense, doesn't it? Or somebody wants to partake in communion. Well, we'll get around to that in about 40 years. Some of you won't be here in 40 years. I may not be here in 40 years. You see, they weren't observing. Listen, they were not committing their works to the Lord. And their thoughts were not established. So what did they do? Joshua 5 and verse 9, it says, After they did that, the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. That's the same word for commit. I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of this place is called Gilgal or Gilgal. That's the word for a wheel. So the Lord named that place, Gilgal. Gilgal. And a lot of great things happened in Gilgal. One of the greatest things that happened besides this in Gilgal is they had the first Passover of the promised land there in Gilgal. And it was after they committed their works to the Lord and their thoughts were established. Can you see that? that They committed their works to the Lord and the Lord says, I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt. Now you understand that doesn't mean that he was eternally rolling away their sins. It means that he recognized their commitment to him. He says, and now... Egypt is gone from you. It's been 40 years. My goodness, it's about time, isn't it? Egypt is gone from you. And somebody said, hey, now that my thoughts, now that I'm thinking straight, why don't we have a Passover? We haven't had one in a while. This is on the edge right here of going into the promised land. And they had a great Passover at the wheel at Gilgal where they committed their works to the Lord. You see, and the Lord will do that for you. Maybe you've got reproaches that hang on to you. Boy, I have reproaches that hang on to me. I just mentioned a couple. You know, seventh grade, tenth grade chaplain year. That hangs over me like a reproach. What was wrong with me? Not only did I get in trouble once in tenth grade, I got in trouble twice and thrown into what was the equivalent of, of, of the school prison at that time. Where's the chaplain? He's in the school prison, he's in isolation. We had this little lady that worked there who was from Austria. She'd married a guy, a man in the army and went in World War II and moved back over. And she was our school secretary. And so I'm sitting back there in isolation in 10th grade. And all I can hear, hear is her talking to me. And she's Austrian. And she says, oh, Tim, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? And I get this lady out of my head. I hear her so often. And I'm thinking, what was wrong with me? Those are reproaches that hang on to me. I've got many that I can lay. That's kind of a funny one. But there's some that are not so funny. But the Lord has rolled away those reproaches. You understand? In committing your works to the Lord, in committing your way to the Lord, in honing down the desires of your heart to be what the Lord would have you to have and to be, then guess what? You can feel those reproaches rolling away. How many of God's children need that today? How many of God's children are living under those reproaches and doing, going from one bad thing to a worse thing, and all they need to do is commit their works to the Lord? And those reproaches are just rolled, you feel them rolled away. Christ has rolled them away eternally on the cross, but you feel the effect of that when you commit your works to the Lord. You see that? Now, here's the trick. As I said, I alluded to it just now about accepting the Bible commitment challenge. It, it, if you accept this challenge, you say, I'm gonna commit my works to the Lord, I'm gonna be at church, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna minister. I'm going to study, I'm going to figure out what the Lord would have me to do. It's going to whittle down what you really want. You think about I hope some of you thought, well, this is what I want to happen. This is what I desire. You know I've joked and said through the years, "My dad, God rest his soul, he was the great dream killer in my life. <laughs> you know, I'd get this crazy idea and I'd say, "Daddy, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I'd go to dad and I'd say, Now, this is how, what I'm gonna do, dad. Look at this. Boom, 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 boom. And then dad would start. He'd say, Well, have you thought about this? And have you thought about that? And have you considered this? And have you consider the cost of that? And have you thought about what's gonna happen whenever you do this? And I'd be like, You know, he got me again. He's the dream killer. <laughs> Well, I don't want to sit here and tell you today that the Lord is the great dream killer, but in many ways that He is, but this is the beauty of it. When He kills your dream that may not be in line with what the Lord would be pleased for you to do, He shows you a dream that's even greater than what was killed. I tell you, I've had some crazy dreams. I'm not talking about sleep dreams. I mean, I think I'll do this. I think I'll do that. And I tell you, the Lord has come along and He has slain those dreams, like slaying a giant, like slaying a dragon in my mind. But He's shown me something greater than I could ever imagine. That's what He does. So be prepared when you take the Bible commitment challenge, you're going to start thinking some weird thoughts. I, you know, oh, wait a minute, the Word of God, you know, I, I thought that I would go and rob that bank to, to make money. That's my dream. But, you know, as I look at the Word of God, it says thou shalt not steal. So that's, that's kind of a conflict there, you know. It's going to whittle that dream down. Now, I know that's silly and that's being facetious, but at the same time, you think about what your dream is. You think about what your desire is. You think about what path you're considering to go on. And when you commit to the Lord, it may whittle down. The choices. You see, as you roll your plans and your burdens on Him, He's going to roll away foolish ideas. The commitment challenge relates to honoring God, of course, but it ties directly into your commitment to the church of the Lord, your commitment to your family, your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, what are your desires? When you take the commitment challenge, the Lord will give you those desires because they'll be in line with what his word says. What's your desire for the direction of your life? He says he shall. What do you want to happen? He shall bring it to pass. But it's going to be something that's in line with what pleases him. He said, well, I don't know which way to go. I don't know what to major in in college. I don't know what to study or this or what school to go to. Commit your works to the Lord. It says he shall direct thy path. You say, well, I can go to this college over here in Timbuktu, and there's no church there. Okay, but I can go to this college over here. It's not my my first choice. But there's a church right there. Tuscaloosa, Alabama, University of Alabama, throw a plug in there. Sorry, Tennessee fans. But there's a church right there. 10, 15 minutes from campus, I've come and picked up students before and brought them there. See, that's a a commitment to the Lord. You say, well, I got a better scholarship over here, but I got a better church opportunity over here. That's what I'm talking about. Commit your works to the Lord. You know what? You'll find where you need to go and what you need to be in life. He'll show you. Commit your works to the Lord, and that thought shall be established. I'll leave you with this funny story. Sister Tracy knew I was going to have to tell this <laughs> about being committed. I've never had any question at all about the commitment of my wife to me. There's never been a question about that brother Ron. But if there was a question, she ended all of those issues of commitment a few nights ago. We're remodeling our home. And we've got all kind of holes in our home. I mean, holes where bats can fly in, birds can fly in, insects can crawl in, 10 million flies can fly in. We live on a farm. And some way, somehow, or another, a possum got in. <laughs> we're keeping the basement and our house and our bedroom sealed off. That's where we're living, in the basement and the bedroom. Everything else is just full of holes, keeping the doors closed, because we're just kind of in this little bitty corner trying to live. Got furniture stacked in there. I mean, it's it's chaotic that's enough for loving commitment right there praise God pray for her look what I've done to her <laughs> so we're laying there asleep she's been asleep for an hour and a half and I'm laying there asleep at about 12 15 at night I hear this noise it's this little bumping noise and I thought, what is that it's the fan over there that's running I thought oh my goodness so I set up and I turn my light on and it's on her side of the bed towards the door and I turn my light on, and there's this big, fat possum sitting on the lampstand drinking out of a cup. <laughs> and Sister Tracy's just, she's just sleeping. And I, I mean, I, possums don't scare me. I, nothing, none of those type of critters t- scare me. But I'm scared for her, because when she wakes up and sees that thing three feet from her, she's going to have a stroke. And I, don't, I don't want her to have a stroke. I want her to stay around. Please stay around. <laughs> So I looked at Sister, I, I thought, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna get him out? Am I gonna kill him? Am I gonna shoot him? Am I gonna choke him? What am I gonna do? The first thing I said, I gotta get Sister Tracy out of here. <laughs> She's dead asleep and I looked at her and I said, Sister Tracy, well, I didn't say sister, I said, Tracy. I should have said sister. I said, Tracy, I need you to wake up, keep your eyes on me, crawl across the bed, walk in the bathroom, close the door. And <laughs> you know, In the back of my mind, I was thinking, will she do that? <laughs> The very tiny, tiny, tiny little percentage of me thought that because I knew the result. If she didn't do that, she's gonna, she's gonna lose it. (laughs) That she possum's gonna be chasing her around the room. She's gonna be chasing the possum around the room. It's just gonna be a nightmare. So she settled all issues as if she even needed to of commitment. She committed her works to me at that moment, and she crawled across the bed and went in the bathroom and closed the door. And I proceeded to get the possum out of the house. (laughs) You know why she did that? And, and it's, a, it's a miracle. I, I can't really answer why. But you know why she did that? She loves me and she trusts me. She knew I wasn't playing around. You said, well, I just can't find an incentive to commit my works to the Lord. Even though I want my thoughts to be established. And they're not. There's your incentive right there. You love. And the Lord loves you. And you can trust Him. If you commit your works to Him, your thoughts will be established. He will give you the desires of your heart. He will show you the path that you need to take. And then you will be in peace with the Lord. And you'll be able to think straight. I tell you what, that verse right there will bring you light in very dark times. May the Lord bless us all to take that Bible challenge. By the way, it's not a one time challenge. It's something that you have to take again and again and again. May the Lord bless you, is my prayer.